Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Diane Time is here. That's right. We're talking about Evil Speak on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from West Andover Military Academy and Basement Full of Evil. This is the Kill by Kill podcast where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. And we're going to unpack all the goriest of details of 1981's Evil Speak in the hopes that a young cadet's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes that we might make at their expense. And as always, there is only one person I trust that when I need consecrated blood, she will find me a Nazi to toss. The one, the only, Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? I'm good, but you know, you use the word untimely to to yeah. describe a, a <laughs> sure. young cadet's death in this case. Uh-huh. I, I I think the deaths of the the young cadets in this movie were very timely. I I think they could have sped things up a little bit, to be honest with you. I think there's enough plot in this movie for uh, Freddy's nightmares. And it's extended out to scream length for reasons I can't quite recognize. I I just, I don't, I don't quite grasp it. But when we get to the end, you're like, hey, that's the movie I signed up for. So you walk out on a high. But everything leading up to that is a little, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's important to to tell people that even though this has gained some level of notoriety for horror fans because it was mm. banned apparently in the UK for some years, nothing happens for almost the first hour of this movie. Yeah. Nothing, nothing happens. One thing happens, you get to see Luca Brasi with no shirt on. Now, come on. Well, that's true. And you and you get to see, and you get to see Bull from Night Court. Yeah, just one step away from doing Last Train to Midnight or whatever that that crazy. Oh my God! When are we going to do Last Train to Midnight, Gina? <laughs> that is have- not a movie. <laughs> that, is, that is a series of images strung together by a madman. <laughs> Gina, I don't want to alarm you, but we are not alone. That's right. We have a special guest. Now, you might know him from YouTube or his podcast or his TikTok, and they're all entitled Haunting Season. The one, the only, the well-bearded Josh Bragg. How are you doing today, Josh? I'm doing great. How's Excellent. it going? Oh, so happy to have you here. You're the second Josh in a row. We're just an all Josh podcast now. Well, hey, things are looking up for the Kill by Kill we're podcast. Gonna, we're just going to change it to Josh by Josh. <laughs> if you know a Josh that would like to come in on here and talk about a kind of slow until it's not 80s horror film, let us know in the comments or, you know, Twitter. I don't know. Gina, where can people find you on these internets? Are we done? <laughs> I, I, that, think, right? I think we co- I think we covered everything. <laughs> it was such a pleasure to be here. I just <laughs> had so much fun. <laughs> um, Josh, was this the first time you had even heard of Evil Speak? Yeah, yeah. I, I looked up the YouTube trailer and watched it on mute for like thirty seconds, and emailed you back. I yeah, I pick <laughs> Evil Speak. <laughs> I think now, you give me the you... option between this and Amityville 3D or something. Uh huh. Yeah, that's right. Those were the options on the table, uh, and I don't. Uh, mm, I don't know which one would necessarily be better. That that really depends upon your taste. How do you feel about undead spearfish attacks? I could I could take it or leave it. I guess. Mm, all right. Well, maybe Evil Speak was right for you. So, <laughs> this is, I guess, slightly uh, infamous if only because it was put on the video nasties uh, list in Britain. And if, if how, how many of those movies have you happened to have watched Josh? Oh, I, I don't know. Um, I'm not aware of the list. Oh yeah. I mean, this was a, a whole thing in Britain at the time because uh, video stores were unregulated, but movie theaters and television absolutely were. So video stores were making a lot of money uh, on horror movies and they would rent them to anybody. So of course, every kid was like, fuck yeah, I want to watch something like evil speak where a, a naked lady gets eaten to death by hogs. That sounds awesome. Now there's, <laughs> there's some great movies on there and there's some terrible ones. Never watch Mardi Gras massacre ever. 
even on a dare. Don't watch it. It's not worth your time. It's not worth your attention. The, all the deaths are the same every single time. And the only thing revolutionary about it is a cop takes a prostitute to dinner. <laughs> um, so that was the level of awesomeness on the video nasties thing. I mean, I think the first time I heard about it was on the young one show. There was a punk band that had a song about video nasties. And I was like, what the fuck is that? Probably the biggest most well-known movie on the list is probably evil dead. That's the first yes. evil dead movie. Mm, yeah. And you know, a lot of it was like gore or, or graphic portrayals of death, or you had something illegal. Like I think some of this was Satanism, but I think also some of it was like getting your head split open by a sword. Like <laughs> there's, I'm not sure why evil speak rose to the list of like, Oh my God, we can't have people watch this, but it, elevated it in the minds of some horror fans like oh well if it's on that list it must be like incredible and then you watch it and it's kind of like is this like a mad magazine sketch like when are we getting to the <laughs> horror of this the horror is what it's like to be in high school is <laughs> what it comes across oh as. my god it's like you know what if carrie but everybody in the in every single character is a fucking asshole yeah i had the same i had the same connection it's very much carrie of like just punishing high school moments and then a big finish yeah it's carrie meets the omen 2 um <laughs> because it's a military academy meets mad magazine because they were very into military academies for some fucking reason. Yeah. Or Malcolm in the middle. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, another thing born of mad magazine. And then uh, it's just, it's also anchored by the performance of Clint Howard. And we try on this podcast, not to disparage people's looks because let's face it, you know, no one wants to see how I look right now. I have a lobster face because I watched my kid play beach volleyball. I'm sweating because I had to turn the AC off. So listen, I, this isn't coming from them. Aren't I so much more attractive than Clint Howard, but Holy fuck. The camera does not love Clint Howard, Gina. No, there's a reason why he is predominantly been given you know, walk-on roles or supporting roles or sitting right. in the background roles. Would it surprise you, Gina, that while this production was very amped to have him in the lead role, there was one place that they drew the line and that they was... They would not pay for his toupee. <laughs> they would not pay for the toupee. <laughs> That poor 21 years old at the time Clint Howard had to wear. He's 20, <laughs> and it, 21 and he needed a toupee already. Well, I think and it was like 23 when I started going, but I held on to it for a little bit too long. Uh, well, I mean, here's the thing. Like, it's not that he's a bad looking bald man, but to be bald in high school, which this yeah. is essentially what is supposed to be. Although it's, I mean, everyone looks like they're 27 going on 58th grade in this motion picture. Yeah. I couldn't tell, I couldn't tell how old anybody was supposed to be in this. No. I never, like, is, I never is, would have thought twice if he was bald in this movie. It would have been fine. It it, it just would have been fine. But <laughs> the toupee is so obvious that it almost makes it worse. <laughs> oh my god so basically yeah it's carrie he's um you know just not the great well let's go through it a little beat by beat and uh let's talk about some of the quote-unquote moments of course the the movie starts uh with a, a on a bang because i think this is the first movie gene that we've covered that has the 70s Saul bass warner brothers logo i love me that logo yes Yes. This is also the first movie that we've covered that has a Khalil. Sorry, my my apologies to this man. To a this is the first time we've had a Khalil Gibran uh, quote in medieval font. Uh, just so everyone is aware. You're yeah, we get we to read. We get medieval font at the beginning and then computer font at yeah. the end. Because we've entered Evil Speak 2.0 at that point. Josh, did you, when you were growing up, was your computer already have Evil Speak native built into it? Or did you have to add that after the fact? No, it was on a floppy disk. And the only way to save was to swap floppy disks and have it just yeah. like have your curse hang in the RAM. <laughs> I like that. Uh, here's the quote. 
And Satan said to man of God, what would you do tomorrow if you allowed me to die today? What vocation would you pursue if my name disappeared? What the fuck does this mean? It's not a great quote. This is not a great quote. (laughs) This is not a cool quote where I'm like, oh my God, shit's about to go off here, everyone. It's kind of like, can someone parse this for me? Does someone have, can someone run this past dictionary.com? Like what is going on? This makes a terrible wood panel in my mom's house. (laughs) Well, like the the cut that I I I must say I watched this on YouTube, and it uh-huh. was not a good uh, it was not a good <laughs> copy, and I could not read most of the text. Um, uh-huh. So at the at the end, I was pretty sure that it said that he was the only survivor of the of the the fire at the Ardbark Academy. <laughs> <laughs> From now on, it's the Aardvark Academy, everyone. I know it's not what's actually in the movie, but frankly, I don't care. Evil speak can't come after me. But this does leave one more question for this quote, and that is, what vocation do you have lined up when Satan gets canceled? Josh? Um, oh, man. Uh, grave redigger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Because hell's going to be full. And they're all going to wander the fucking earth. But sooner or later, we're all going to cap them in the head because America. So, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Gina, w- what do you have lined up? Uh, Probably holy water bootlegger. <laughs> wow, yeah. That's a growth industry, Gina. Man, you nailed this. You know, just, just fill Excellent. a bathtub with water. You know, you know, have a padre come in and say some prayers over <laughs> it. Just start, you know, filling up thermoses, you know, water bottles. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Thermos of holy water. <laughs> I I never thought of the temperature of holy water. I always assumed it would be like ice cold. Um, but like a yeah. library fountain, like the 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 water fountain in your school's library. How? Yeah, like the loudest cold. fountain in the school. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> <laughs> Take one drink and it's like. <laughs> but it has to be that cold, otherwise you can't read books. So the opening, of course, was uh, filmed during Bull from Night Court's I've, you've, Do you have a bald satanic character? Here's my quote phase. Uh, he's just, uh, just has an endless amount of these particular roles for whatever reason. Uh, here, he's playing Father Lorenzo Esteban. 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 And boy, does he look Spanish. (laughs) If you're looking for an Spaniard, you go no further than Bull from Night Court. (laughs) The real wham-doozle of a casting choice. I mean, face 11, ass mm, 8, but Spanish, not so much. He's like in a low ones or twos. But boy, that can that man scowl. Uh, if you don't know what <laughs> night court is, ask somebody older than you and just listen to them recite the baseline. So this opening was basically filmed in the same spot that the call the corners scene in the craft was. So it's like a rights reserved section of Malibu, California. Um, and this is supposed to stand in for Spain. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but it uh, it doesn't come off that way. It, it, they, it's not able to you know, pay for a decent toupee for Clint Howard. You think they're doing you know, on location <laughs> shooting? They didn't. They didn't uh, have uh, money to go across the pond <laughs> and uh, uh, film this in Ibiza uh, during the dance season. You spent all their money on beheadings. yeah so uh after he's kicked out of the roman catholic church because that's how far he's gone he basically slinks back to his legion of followers which are basically a small group of uh, raucous soccer fans and one half naked chick and they're all chanting what i think is succotash i'm not i'm not sure (laughs) i couldn't pick up on it oh I have the Scream Factory Blu-ray, and even there, the mono track is just, it's confusing. Anyways, it doesn't much matter. He he decapitates a lady, and mm, that's evil speak in a nutshell. That's the level of what we're working with. Uh, And then you you have 50 minutes of nothing, and then things get cool again. (laughs) 
Well, there was a nice transition. You know, the head flies through the air. Then you cut to a soccer ball flying through the air. It's very oh, that's very true. That is an excellent match cut. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Evil speak, 13 out of 10. It's a top recommend. you got to watch that match cut. <laughs> Every, it's all up from there, baby. Yeah, Rivals uh, 2001 Space Odyssey. <laughs> Uh, enter Stanley Coopersmith, the common Dorcas Malorcas of the era's teen film output. He looks like a plastic alien that you squeeze and his eyes pop out. <laughs> it's pretty much the accurate thing. He has one expression. Mm-hmm. That expression is agitated. Yeah. <laughs> or slightly confused, but still agitated. I would I would also put that yeah, in. Yeah, perplexed. Um, he, he plays this film in, in a, a really brave space, and that's called sweaty. He's sweaty <laughs> from the minute it starts to the minute it ends. It doesn't matter if people are on fire or he's just asking the secretary for a book he left behind. He's sweaty. <laughs> God, he's so sweaty. Oh. <laughs> Uh, so if you're wondering, but Patrick, where are we? Well, welcome to the West Andover Military School for Kids who want to bully good and want to be raging dicks too. Uh, Stanley is actively hated by everyone. And I guess the deep state has mandated that he be in the starting lineup of the soccer team. And that's the main conflict of the movie whether he should be in the starting lineup of the soccer team for two out of four quarters. And I might remind you, soccer doesn't have quarters. Well, you're also, you're not mentioning that it's not just the students that hate him. Right. The staff hates him too, for, <laughs> for some reason. And, and the only reason anybody can come up with is that a, he's an orphan well that's egregious gina you know what it's like with orphans that i don't have my parents this and my parents died in a tragedy that they're always flaunting that and and b he's kind of a little bit of a doofus (laughs) but but you know there's this one scene where like like the secretary hates him the principal Mm -hmm. hates him the teachers all hate him yeah. The coach hates him. There's a, there's a scene where he is given a spanking, yep. and the secretary's like, "Oh yeah!" Like, and like, she loves like, it. She's like, "What she is, is this? What so is wrong with all Turned on by the idea of <laughs> bending over. Think about this for a second. Like, oh my god. What turns me on, what really grinds my gears is Clint Howard taking a smack in the ass. That is a specific kink. He is, I don't know why he is forced to go to this school. Like, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know who, who put him there. Or, oh, because he's, uh, he, they have a line about that. He's, um, they take on certain cases like him as a charity or welfare, they say. Yes. Yeah, they're like grifting off the state by because they're so financially strapped. That's why they're trying to get that senator's wife to get all turned on by the priest and give them money. (laughs) (laughs) That is a subplot that goes nowhere, everyone. (laughs) It's literally just there for expository. I really just wish they just stick, they just stuck with him, like cutting people in half with a big sword. Yeah, 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 I agree. Because, because, like, after like the fourth time of him getting circled by these thirty-seven-year-old bullies and pushed around, right. I'm yeah. just like actively looking at my watch and like, okay, you, know, when is this going to be? You know, getting to the good parts. <laughs> I was trying to make a list of all the reasons why these people might hate him, uh, and I came up with he plays soccer like a rag doll. But other than that, I can't figure anything else out. I think he's also very sweaty. He's and he's very sweaty. But every single shot of him playing soccer is him rolling as if he had just fallen out of the air. But it also doesn't help that he's constantly being thrown to the ground by Donna's dad from that 70s show. Like he would play soccer better if he, I don't know, played soccer instead of kicking this kid's ass on the ground. Like he totally fucking gives up that goal because he, he's so revved up by the idea that he's got to like punch Clint Howard in the gut. Like what the fuck are you doing, man? Yeah, these aren't cool guys beating them up either. They're like total losers. (laughs) 
And for those of you wondering, yes, Don is dad from that 70s show. Don Stark is in this. And if you were one of those people who was complaining about how Ben Platt is far too old to be in the movie version of Dear Evan Hansen, please look at Don Stark in this movie. He looks like the finance guy at an underfunded Toyota dealership. It, he does not look like a teenager at all. I mean, it's either none of them do. I, I mean, no. maybe Dwayne from What's Happening might squeak by. He's right, like, yes. like him and him and the uh, and the cook who is shirtless for some <laughs> reason. Yes, you know, only an apron covering his nudity, which was which was startling and disturbing. You I mean, know, what does he have on underneath the apron? Is the apron the only thing he has on, and we just don't see his bare ass? He has a bandana around his neck. <laughs> Well, thank God for that. <laughs> yeah, that was my big takeaway of this movie is if a large naked man with a knife tells you to follow him, you should because you'll get a steak and a puppy. <laughs> they're they're like the only, first kids. They're like the only two people that, that treat him with any kind of decency. And then, of course, in the end, they're rewarded with you dying, dying in, a, in an inferno. <laughs> because the movie makes it very clear that everybody died. So, uh, Coach, who's played by perennial exploitation hick and non-brother of James Earl Jones, is Claude Earl Jones. And he kindly suggests to Bubba uh, that if something terrible were to happen to befall Stanley, that he would no longer be forced to play him in the game. And maybe they might win against their big crosstown rival, whatever the fuck that is. Whatever military academy slash church that has a a devil worshiper in the basement. But yes, we we did mention previously that Stanley has won a friend of his own age, uh, played by What's Happening's Haywood Nelson. And I assume that his presence here is punishment for a rerun illegally making a recording of a Doobie Brothers concert? <laughs> he, he didn't even play rerun, though. <laughs> no, but he he bought the same ticket that rerun. They, they re- illegally recorded that Doobie Brothers concert. Gina, he has to pay. Right now, everybody's listening like, what the fuck are these codgers going on about? <laughs> Listen, that joke is one Google search away from a laugh, Gina. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and during the combination Parents' Day backstory dump, uh, we're told by both Colonel Kincaid and Father Captain, I don't know what his fucking name is, uh, that uh, the, the school has a lot of financial difficulties. And so the military academy has been forced to take on, quote unquote, charity cases like Cooper Smith and uh, leaves a bad taste in both their mouths. It's very elitist but also all of the people who fit their profile of good soldiers are terrible human beings and cadets. Yeah. This is like a school full of sociopaths. At one point when she's being put into a car, she goes, um, Oh, it's, I, I think we can help you with money because my husband, the Senator is big on quote, tax exempt military causes. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck are those? I don't it's know. Like, may I see a list of those? Because I'm very curious. <laughs> I don't know. Like tanks that are also Pope mobiles. I don't know what <laughs> that combo is, but apparently this academy, the Aardvark Academy, uh, for boys who sweat a lot and want to do other things sweaty too, uh, is like <laughs> that they're not paying taxes, I guess. So, for a litany of reasons, because he's constantly in trouble, uh, Cooper Smith wanders down into a basement because why the fuck not? He's supposed to clean it. And he's confronted by the gruff Sarge. Uh, he's kind of a, uh, he, he's that one guy in the Harry Potter movies who's got a, a gross cat and he's always hating kids. He's basically that. I can't remember what that is. Well, that, that actor is like a mainstay of 80s horror. Like He was in... Um Children of the Corn, I think. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's been and always playing the same kind of character. They, what the hell are you doing here? And then he gets killed. Yeah, he's in Predator as well. Uh, I think he sends them on the mission. Uh, he showed up a bunch in Friday the 13th, the series as well. Um, he was in Redheaded Stranger. <laughs> sure. Okay, why not? I thought his entrance Ooh. was brilliant. 
He, uh, <laughs> he sprints out of the darkness, grabs Cooper Schmidt by the, you know, reins or whatever. And, and he's being lit only by a flashlight. And so he walks him into the light. So he's got better light. It's filmmaking at its peak, really. It was all downhill from here for Yeah, film. he's just like living um, in this basement, apparently? Yes. Uh, all he has is one well-conditioned penthouse magazine and supermarket aged booze. And he's good to go. He's got a cot. What else does he need? What do you want him to teach uh, chess to some lonely girl? This is what he's got, Gina. <laughs> and he's having a good time. He's laughing hilariously at that magazine. It really is. It's perhaps the funniest issue of Penthouse ever. (laughs) Uh, Stanley finds this sort of unopened passageway. It's a real Prince of Darkness situation, Gina. We're, We're back to this, where a church has a secret passage. But instead of Lucifer's lube, uh, he just finds a book and a lot of cobwebs and one rusty sword. And he's like, ooh. I could do something with this. And so he starts to translate this book in an Apple II computer. And yes, if that sounds like an episode of Buffy, it was episode four, season one. That's right. You don't need Wikipedia. I'm here with Buffy the Vampire Slayer knowledge, everyone. I'm done. Gene, and where can people find you on these here internets? <laughs> This uh, this needs somebody needs to do a whole series on the rise of computers in the eighties and doing movies that feature computers doing stuff that they still can't do today, like <laughs> like generate an entire human being out of thin air, call to Satan and and you know, to bring him back to the earth. Try to get Siri to tell you what satanic rites are. And she's like, I found something on the internet. Well, thanks a lot, Siri. I need you to tell me what I need right now. You know, record your memories and sexual experiences so that they may be enjoyed by someone else. <laughs> Translate Latin. Okay. Translate Latin. We might, we might be almost there with that recording memories and sexual experiences, but not quite yet. No, well, we're on the edge, though. Once we get over that hump, I think we're good to go. Stanley does have a close encounter with what appears to be a fetus just hanging out in a jar. And then the fetus sees him like, wait a second, I'm going to get out of the jar now. And it's a five minute journey of this piece of plastic trying to pry its way out of a mason jar full of piss. Oh, my gosh. I completely (laughs) forgot that was in this movie. (laughs) It is so random. (laughs) well you could be distracted by so many other things in that basement like loose curtains multiple (laughs) hog decorations a couple ancient tomes someone who's been spinning a cobweb machine all morning like there's a lot to get lost in the environment um but (laughs) uh we get more uh bully porn uh this time in a next nazi latin professor's class uh, this guy named Hauptmann, even though I don't think anyone ever refers to him by name in the credits, he's Hauptmann. And of course, he's played by Hamilton Camp. You might know him as the voice of Greedy Smurf. <laughs> right, right, really? <laughs> yeah, Greedy Smurf. Like, when you think about it, it just <laughs> pops in your head. And he's having the time of his life playing some sort of Operation Paperclip left, left over, who's now condemned to this shitty military academy. And he's constantly pissed off that Cooper Smith can't show up. And why could he? Because every fucking morning, these assholes are trying to fuck with him and he can't arrive on time. Yeah, I feel like everybody everybody at this school, whether student or, or staff alike, is, is there because they've been ordered by a court to be there. <laughs> That's right. They've been remanded to this school, as it were. You know, like the teachers are are all working here because you know they they worked in like a you know a real school at one point and like punched out a student or something. <laughs> it's the uh, the shining uh, connection we've all been waiting for. And so he sends Cooper Smith to the colonel's office, where, as you mentioned, he gets spanked, and then we see the colonel lightly fondle bullets. Um, that was my favorite moment. <laughs> when she got a guy who's like, oh, yeah, bullets. <laughs> um, but we were also introduced to Miss Friedmeier, uh, played by Lynn Hancock, who didn't have much of a movie career beyond this. 
but she plays a pretty pivotal character here that asks a groundbreaking question. What if a secretary were hot? <laughs> That's it. That's yeah. I, I, I love that, that, you know, they try the whole, you know, she's got glasses and, you know, slightly frumpy costume outfit. And then like, if she gets naked later, it's like, wow, she's got a killer bod. It's like, yeah, <laughs> we know this, this is, this is, you know, we've never seen this before. Amazing. Yeah. You won't believe what happens when she takes off her pants. She's got a butt. Yeah, I know. So do I. What's the point here? I want to know why she gets naked sitting down. I've never undressed <laughs> sitting down before. Otherwise, you would be unbalanced by your hotness, Josh. This is the thing. <laughs> That's right. When you are when you reach that level of secretary hot, you know, your balance is off. And so she's got to remain, you know, like with four points touching. Two feet, two butt cheeks. Otherwise, she's got those uh, permanent Barbie feet where only the tops of the feet <laughs> touch. Exactly. So in a, in a closed door meeting with Stanley, uh, Colonel Kincaid tells him he needs to apply himself and get over your fucking dead parents already. As we mentioned, hitting Clint Howard becomes some sort of complicated sex game for Miss Friedermeyer. Um, and then later when uh, Cooper Smith is feeding the pigs, because why wouldn't a military academy have pigs? Miss Friedermeyer uh, then has a very sexy shower. And, uh, oh, wait a second. This is when she's fondling the diary and trying to get the jewel off the front of it. And the pigs go, I don't like that. I, and pigs squeal when I touch books too. I get it. Sure. Why not? Yeah. They put all the, they definitely put all the budget for this movie into renting the pigs. And you know what? They got every, they got, they, they got every, every bit of their money's worth out of those pigs. Almost like Danzig and Veronica, in which we learned that he got a gift certificate for horses. And he's like, one day I'm going to use the fuck out of these horses. And he does for 15 minutes. This is the same thing. They're like, we rented these hogs. We're going to film the living hell out of them. Yeah, I wonder if they came with the school and then they tried to work them <laughs> in. possible. Santa Barbara, big pig country. So I guess the question I had at this point in the movie was... If no one on the earthly plane likes Cooper Smith, do you think, do you think the devil and Stanley are really going to get along? Like, is that a long-term relationship they have? Or is this more of a, hey, thank you for letting me loose in this military academy sort of deal? Well, I think that he yeah, probably sees Stanley as a pretty good conduit for, for whatever you know, havoc he wants to wreak, which apparently you killing everyone and burning down a military academy, which, all right, I guess. <laughs> I mean, that's what, when you think about the big things Satan wants to do, it's burning down a military academy and then it's all downhill. No, I, I was going to say, I think the reason we didn't get Evil Speak 2 is because after they go through with their evil plan, it's two and a half hours of, we just shut up, Cooper Schmidt. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I don't know where people put your puppy. I don't know where your book is. God, I wanted to come back, but not this bad. <laughs> <laughs> you've constantly got this guy limping along behind you like schlepping a sword and he's constantly grinding it on the ground You're like pick it up pick it up stanley and he won't he fucking won't he's just sweating all the time and because it's hot in hell like he's sweating even more yeah see he knows that that burning down a, a military county is probably the the limit of what stanley is capable of you know, so he he'll find someone else to to take over and ascend to the presidency, like 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 Damien does in the final conflict. Right. That's that's not sure. that's not anything Stanley can handle. Stanley can handle this 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 you know this little piddling stuff. Be burning down a school. He can he can learn more about Satan's dark bidding in a school library or schlep an apple two into a basement. But he's not really going to I don't know help you take over the earthly plane. Like that ain't happening. I just don't think he's going to help much there. No. At best, he's a social secretary. I just, I just don't think he's a general in Satan's army. Uh, <laughs> or what, what, what is kiss? Are they knights he, in Satan's a knight, service? A, a knight, a knight, yeah, I was saying, is he a knight in Satan's service? <laughs> oh my God. What I would not give to see this man in kiss makeup. Someone somewhere put Clint Howard in kiss makeup. We have an assignment for you. Uh, can't wait to see it. Fan art, bring it. So uh, like Josh said, when a shirtless cafeteria worker says, 
I want to show you something. You fucking go with him. Turns out it's Luca Brasi. He cooks him a steak. They're bonded for life. He gives him a puppy. And at this point, it becomes a very long wait for Stanley Coopersmith to get his shit together so that he can have this dark rights communion that that no one seems to realize requires human blood. It just goes on and on and on with not human blood. Well, it, it keeps saying something like data incomplete. And I'm like, you know, what? I think the phrase data incomplete is not going to be found in you in ancient satanic text. <laughs> sure. But that's where you kind of get into the evil meets speak, um, which I assume means that that Apple II is connected to a C and say that's all I can believe. I did enjoy watching Stanley creep around a basement in full Bluto Boltarski stealth mode. Um, and then he's surprised by the bullies in a bunch of animal masks and he knocks himself out. And you're like, yay, thank goodness this scene is over. But it's not because then Sarge reenters. And um, if you were thinking, well, I, I think this movie is on a pretty even keel. Like, yes, there's a lot of, you know, uh, queer baiting jokes and whatnot, uh, but it really hasn't risen to the level of detestable yet. Just wait, because Sarge then tells Stanley, do you know what I do to make little boys into little girls? This is unnecessary. He can just be a mean, grumpy drunk. He doesn't have to be this, but the movie's like, uh uh-uh. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a movie that takes the you know the daring step of of making every character absolutely loathsome. <laughs> Sarge's booze kind of acts like Popeye's spinach. He just gets a whole mess of strength from it, and so he goes into a choke mold, a chokehold on Stanley. And finally, Stanley has had enough, and he kicks him in the balls. Yay! Movie over. We're done. He's found his happy place turns out that uh, Sarge is only going to meet his end a little bit sooner because Esteban 2.0 in the computer decides, "Mm, I'm going to make sure he lets loose that sweet corpse juice and kind of twists him in half like a, like a, one of those crazy wooden toys that you push on the bottom and they kind of flop over. (laughs) To which I said, finally something happened. (laughs) Oh my God. Something occurred and you really know like the shit has hit the fan because this is when the soundtrack decides let's add xylophone because what's more frightening than a xylophone. And this is when Esteban finds a new chamber of the basement that has Esteban 1.0's coffin. It kind of catches on fire for a minute and then cut to Miss Friedmeier who's of course getting undressed, sitting down as we all do. And she's feeling that common pang of all hot 30 something women, Gina, that we've seen in many a movie. She's got to take that mid afternoon bath. She's got to get in there. She's got to get wet in the afternoon, but she doesn't have a bath. She just has a shower. So that turns Esteban 2.0 on and he decides to send pigs after her. So if you were looking for a movie with a naked woman getting eaten by pigs, evil speak, it's available for you. And they really go for the guts too. Yeah. No, they're, they're, they love all the succulent meats. They just let themselves right into her house. Yeah. They learn how to, they learn how to operate a door somehow. (laughs) Yeah. Where did they enter her house from? When did Esteban 2.0 open the door for them or did they cross, like, did they spider pig their way in through a second story window? Is she living off campus or on Are all, all these questions are left unanswered. We just see a, a, a naked woman getting eaten by pigs. So, uh, and then the book disappears because that's something that happens in this movie. Yeah. I'm, I'm just so doesn't appear so perplexed at this moment because there are so many things that seem like they have meaning and then they just disappear. And then the book <laughs> literally disappears. Yeah. Like my work here is done. Like what fucking work did you do book? What did you do? We'll never find out uh, because we're too busy uh, with a military Academy bikini contest. You're right. Of course. Yeah, that's something that military academies do. They always have bikini contests. 
I wish my high school had a bikini contest because I too am a terrible person. If I'm being honest, Gina, I was a little underwhelmed with who was picked for Miss Heavy Artillery because they just <laughs> skipped right past all the talent competition. And there was a whole juggling act that one blonde was doing. And they just, that didn't add anything to her. Come on, man. <sighs> Miss Heavy Artillery used to mean something. You know, it's always a, pay- a payola scam for Miss Heavy Artillery. <laughs> payola scam. Well, then the drilling coach is like, and we all know who the winner is, don't we? <laughs> Jesus Christ. And we're like, I, I think it's one of the other two women that we've seen in the movie. And he's like, nope, it's this woman you've never seen in the movie. And you're like, oh, okay. Quick, cover her up with a fuzzy blanket. <laughs> Give her an oversized crown. And everyone's like, oh, that's not who I wanted either. And that, that the movie is like, yep. I'm, aren't you glad you saw that? It's a real yeah. show. We got a lot to show you tonight. Lots to show you. Uh, here's a, a stick that I found on the ground. So, uh, you know, Stanley's really upset that his favorite blonde did not win uh, Miss Heavy Artillery. So he decides to go up and tell her personally and the first thing that occurred to me is, Gina, don't you know that being underneath the bleachers gets me hot? <laughs> the, the deep cut for our longtime listeners. <laughs> That's right. It's a student bodies reference. Just in case you were wondering, they haven't talked about student bodies in a while. If you haven't watched student bodies, you absolutely should. It's hilarious until the last third of the movie where it decides we need to solve this mystery. And you're like, no, no, I don't want the mystery solved. I'm, I'm fine. Go back I'm to fine. Yeah. I'm fine. I do not need this. More, more horse head bookends. <laughs> oh, the phone's on the other side of the room. I'll go pick it up. Anyways, those are student bodies references. Um, Cooper Smith uh, is then meet, met up with uh, uh, Bubba and the bullies, and they decide to depants him and threaten to kill his dog. And this blonde is like, sorry, I'm into guys with pants and without a dog. And she goes with them. Mind you, all all, all of this is because there's some sort of law, apparently, (laughs) that that requires every student at the school to be allowed to play soccer. Yes. He's got to be whether, in two out of four non-existent soccer. Whether quarters. whether yes. you whether you want to play soccer or not, you are you are <laughs> legally required to play soccer. If Cooper Smith doesn't play, then Sarge has to play, and now he doesn't have a neck, so he's got to play. But yeah, but, um, but all the all this you know, horrific bullying that culminates in the murdering of a puppy <laughs> is is, yeah. is is because of. A fucking soccer game. Seems like, well, Cooper Smith isn't helping. He's not hurting as much as Bubba is because he also fucking sucks at soccer. I hate to break it to Bubba, a person who does not exist. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Bubba and the uh, his bully group and two ladies go down into the cellar to drink, dry hop, and maybe murder a dog. And uh, armed with nothing but shitty attitudes and even shittier supermarket brand beer, Bubba Shrimp Dick Company decides like, oh, we're going to kill this dog. And then they fucking do. I can't. I've been waiting for this moment because this was the actual (laughs) horror of this movie for me. Yeah. Like in my notes, I'm like, oh, not the puppy. I knew it was going to happen, but fuck the puppy. Oh, my God. The computer is like, no, not the puppy. Anything but the puppy. Oh, my (laughs) God. They fucking killed the puppy. What the fuck is this movie? Oh, the book appeared. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, okay. Is that how this works? All right. All right. Kill a puppy, get a book. But even Satan Computer is like, don't kill the fucking puppy. Satan Computer is against killing the puppy. It's not going to help anything. Nobody wants a dead puppy. This the only good thing about this scene is we get one character who says, quote, I ain't going to commit no sacrilege, Bubba. <laughs> what a line. <laughs> the bard hath spoken. <laughs> But it turns out that uh, dogs do not contain human blood, and that's what you need to complete this dark rite. So the next morning, Stanley uh, finds the remains of his dog and a prompt for Esteban. For fuck's sake, will you find some human blood? And so Stanley's reunited with his book. Esteban's grave catches fire for a second time, but then it splits down the middle. 
And Cooper Smith goes up to the church to grab the final items he needs for this dark ride. Meanwhile, our ex-Nazi teacher slash greedy Smurf follows him down to the basement and Esteban 2.0 pulls a real Atari here and just helps Stanley Cooper Smith pick up this guy over his head and throw him into some sort of spiky wagon wheel chandelier. And, and he sticks up there, which is, which is pretty remarkable. <laughs> what kind of chandelier is this that has this level of grip for this guy to remain up there? Conveniently dripping all sorts of blood so that Stanley can catch it. And he's like, oh, ho, ho, ho. I think we've got everything we need now, baby. And uh, that's when Stanley's AO hell trial begins in full. Oh. And he gains... <laughs> Heyo, and yeah, he gains the full bull from Night Court face. Finally, we get to we we get to see his face on on somebody else's. It's just Clint Howard's there, and then Richard Mole is thrown onto his face like he's in the haunted mansion. The effects are just so good. You know, the one thing that I was actually very impressed with were the computer graphics of the satanic like graphic design stuff that was going on. It reminded yeah, me of want- like early, like when iTunes first came out and you had the iTunes visualizer. Sure. Yeah. You know what? You want to know why they're so, why they're so good computer uh, animations? Cause they were drawn on paper. <laughs> they're just animated. <laughs> they're not computer at all. <laughs> There's just some guy from Warner brothers on the day off from the animaniacs. Who's like putting that together on pen on paper. There are no computer graphics at the time. So that's why they look so good. They go fucking crazy. And then it's like a little bit of 2001 going in there with hell flames. And this is when we finally get to the point in this movie where shit happens. Finally. Shall we start? Um, Upstairs in the church, all the soccer players have gathered in full military dress as one soccer team does to hear father captain just spout off at them how they're going to not belly up to Satan's trough. And I don't know, whatever the fuck it doesn't matter because a statue of Christ goes full stigmata. And then the, the spike in, in Christ's palm shoots out like a old fashioned phantasm and sticks right in father captain's forehead. Would you call that full stigmata? Because, because, (laughs) It wasn't blood coming out. Wasn't it some kind of like runny, like swamp liquid? Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe their blood didn't, uh, didn't, you know, photograph as well. It's I, I'd call it blood. half stigmata, maybe quarter stigmata. <laughs> it's stigmata adjacent. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but from that moment on, baby, it's panic at the disco. It's laser Floyd at the planetarium. Shit's going off the chain. You have full hog face. You have flame head. You have complete explosion. One bully catches fire just backing up into it. He didn't even mean to be there. He's just going to catch on fire because he doesn't know where he is right now. (laughs) Then (laughs) Cooper Smith floats up out of the floor as you do like a regular Beetlejuice. And uh, Colonel Findlay is like, hey, stop it. Stop it. You, you should stop it. And turns out he doesn't want to. And he completely uh, splits his head in two with a fucking sword. And you're like, hey, this is what I showed up to see, everybody. (laughs) This almost makes it worthwhile. Almost. And then you realize you can see the strings that he's hanging from the entire time. (laughs) (laughs) No, wait a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. Time out, everybody. Are you are you telling me are you Josh, are you telling me that Clinton Howard can't fly? I don't think it was real. <laughs> I don't think it was real. When he came out, the first thing that popped into my head was holy flying Cooper Dick. <laughs> <laughs> Unholy flying Cooper Dick. Unholy really, flying Cooper Dick. So what else happens here? We get a, a hog attack of an overweight guy. Bubba almost gets his whole shoulder munched, but then tries to make an escape out of a barred second story window. Coach ends up uh, finding the dead body of a guy that just lost too much blood up on the second floor. And it's like, no, thanks. 
and he gets decapitated full on by a sword with the same gum work neck that the uh, first chick did. It's they didn't improve on the de- decapitations. It's just silly putty stretched over styrofoam. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it, you you left a piece of plastic out in the sun for too long. It's just uh, it's not their strong suit. They're much better with the hog heads in my in my you know, opinion. You get another bully who's eaten by hogs, but this time he's in a small enclosed space and he loses a hand. And then you're thinking, but where's this, where, where we're going to really, what was the denouement? Like, what is going to put this over the top? And we're introduced to a new character, but you might've known him from earlier. It's undead Sarge, everybody. Undead Sarge (laughs) appears. And for reasons I don't know. We don't we don't realize that apparently, you know, Stanley's newfound powers, you know, allow him to be able to raise the dead. Yeah, but he's only got a only, little oh, bit oh, of the necromancy in him. You know, only 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 Sarge, apparently. That's all you need, because you only need one guy to pick up uh, Bubba by the neck and completely reach into his 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 chest, Moomin Raw style, and pull out a full fucking heart. In Mortal Kombat, why, when are we getting Undead Sarge? That's my big question. <laughs> Sarge walks again, rated R. <laughs> and then the movie just kind of like goes, you had enough, right? Okay. And then text appears on screen. <laughs> when they drop a giant exploding cross, that's the big, the yeah, big final moment. The, the yeah. cross explodes because it's full of gasoline or something. <laughs> well, where do you store your gasoline? Josh, I store it in a giant wooden cross because <laughs> that way my car runs more holy. <sighs> you get some nonsense about how he's the only survivor of the fire at you know, Ardwark Academy and and, <laughs> and now he's in a psychiatric hospital in a complete state of catatonia. It's like, oh, how convenient. <laughs> oh, shoot. I had so much to talk with him about, but I guess I can't. And... Um, then the movie just decides to throw up some computer images and you see <laughs> a very the best part a predator vision version of Clint Howard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> I really try to find a, a gif of that to, to post on Twitter before we did this. And I, I came up with nothing. I was so disappointed. If someone can create <laughs> a version of that. And with the title Undead Flying Cooper Dick, like we will put it on the t-shirt store. Like that is a fucking t-shirt. I, with the, with the if, audacity if, uh, to set up a, a sequel. That's what I love about this. Really <laughs> the audacity to set up a sequel. Yeah, pull some James Bond will return in Goldfinger. <laughs> <laughs> the further adventures. <laughs> This sweaty guy who maybe will buy a better toupee next time. Oh, wait a second. Is can I buy tickets now? Do I have to line up in advance? How does this work? If I could airlift any end of a movie into the end of this one and just put Cooper Schmidt in the lead role, it would be Annabelle Creation. <laughs> you know, it just cuts to him in an orphanage playing with a little doll. He's like, hi, my name's Steven. <laughs> Oh my God. When are they putting Cooper Dick into the, the conjuring universe? This is what we need to put it over the top. Put him and the nun together. They'd be great. And Lorraine Warren have his like Apple II computer in their house, their little their little storage room of evil things. <laughs> no, wait, 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 wait a second. You're telling me that this Apple II computer is kind of connected to Satan? And she's like, yeah. It is. That's why we put it behind these velvet ropes so you can't touch it unless you reach really far. Why don't they have like a you store it? Anyways, we're not talking about the conjuring anymore. We did it. Uh, but this before we move on, is there any other component of evil speak that we have not discussed? I mean, the silence. We, so, well, we kind of <laughs> talked about Haywood Nelson, right? Kowalski. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, he's, he's 
he's called Kowalski for crying out loud. I know, which doesn't fit at all. I, an hour in, I wrote, holy crap, the black kid has a name because I can read it on his shirt, not because they told you what his name is. And then uh, they dubbed over some of his lines, which I couldn't figure out why. Yeah. No, it's very strange. And then he just disappears because I don't think he's in the church. They never show him. He didn't get killed because so, he's a good soul. Oh, maybe. I don't know. But if if Cooper Smith is the last survivor, what did happen to Kowalski? Did he just die by smoke inhalation from the giant gas cross falling to the ground? I don't know. Uh, maybe he was eaten by hogs off screen. Such is life. Uh, but before we go, there is one dark right that we must complete, and that is choose your own death venture. And that is where we decide of the many deaths portrayed in Evil Speak. If you were forced to die that way, which death would you choose and why? Starting with neck snapped by evil Bluetooth or eaten by hogs in the shower, speared on a chandelier, nailed by Christ, burned alive. Divided head by sword syndrome, hog attack again, but this time in a burning church, uh, decapitation, and just uh, flames, basically. So, Josh. And a uh, heart ripped out. Don't forget about heart ripped out. Oh, that's right. Heart ripped out by an undead janitor. So, uh, Josh, as our guest, I turn to you to go first. Oh, good. Um, oh, man. I think probably. Probably the spike to the head. It looked like it was the quickest, you know, and then you get that great expression on your face. Like everybody else just kind of like melts or their face is gone. But at least you have your face. You can do open casket. Just keep the spike in. (laughs) Sure. No, no. You put some makeup over that. Yeah. Some silly putty. Yeah. It's a religious symbol. It's, you know. You you have a great collection of hats. You could, they would put you in a hat, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There we go. It wouldn't seem out of place for you. They're like, hey, there's a guy with a great beard and he's known for his hats. They'll never know that it was there. Uh, Now, you also have to wear a military jacket over your priest flock. Are you okay with that? No, I do run warm. All right, I'll go with head splitting. (laughs) You know what? It's going to be hot there, too, but at least it's over with fast. Gina, what say you? God, I don't know. I don't I don't want anything in common with any of these characters. <laughs> They're all just just absolutely terrible people who who are undoubtedly burning in hell as we speak. Yes. Um, they deserve to go there, yeah. But I I guess I would take the the spike to the head too again because it is probably the quickest. Sure. You know, you know, the easiest on the corner, you know, they just pull that thing out of my head, you know, fill it in with some putty and we're good to go. And you currently have bangs, right? I do. So you know that, that's that's, that's, that's perfect. Yeah, that's easy. That's an easy fix for the for the car for, for the for the mortician. So it's a big consideration. I think out of all of these, I'm going with getting my heart ripped out. Just because I like being closer to Sarge. He seems to have a way about him, and I don't know. Undead sergeants turn me on. <laughs> what can I say? They get me hot. It's another uh, student bodies reference, everyone. No, okay. that's, a, that's a better story anyway. You know, how did he die when he goes heart ripped out by a janitor? Oh, that's unsanitary. <laughs> the janitor was walking backwards, too. It's a whole fucking thing. Uh, so before we go, Josh, where, where can people find and hear and listen more from you? Oh, yeah. I got a couple different uh, properties. They're all called Haunting Season. On TikTok, I do horror movie reviews, folklore, urban legends. On YouTube, I tell my own scary stories that I write from scratch. And on my podcast, I'm still kind of trying to figure that out, Um, doing kind of a mix of a bunch of things. But it's longer form content, kind of like this. Oh, excellent. uh, Check it out. And I I can't recommend your TikTok enough. I I think what you're doing on there is super fun. And uh, I think you're great on it. Well, thanks. I'm having a great time doing it. Excellent. Uh, Gina, where can people find you on these here internets? I write about music movies and television at the school.net. Um, so my recent reviews, I did werewolves within, which is excellent. You should all watch it right now. If you have not seen Absolutely. it yet. Um, and I will also, uh, by the time this goes live, be covering the shutter film sun. So Ooh. look out for that. And I am on Twitter under porcelain seven, two. 
do it today. People check it out. Uh, of course, you can find us on all the social medias at Kill by Kill Pod. Uh, our t-shirts are available on T Public. Uh, the link is in the notes here of the the show notes on your podcast player of choice. And that just about does it. Next week, we'll be back with more dish by dish talking about whoever Hannibal eats next. Maybe it'll be me, God willing. And that'll just about do it. Don't worry, folks. The body count will continue. Until then, for myself, Gina, and Josh, bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Hey, see ya.